0: Hey, Pronouncers, welcome back to Printavo's Printersers Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce from Printavo. Thank you so much for listening. We have got Mr. Stephen Farragut at Campus Inc. And a very special guest, Mr. Tyler Adams, Print Production Manager over at Black Rifle Coffee. This interview happened so quickly. Thank you to Producer Chris and you, Tyler, for jumping on because... I see so many Black Rifle Coffee shirts and promo items. I think now just because I see the brand, it like pokes out at me all the time. So it was really cool to to be able to learn more about you. But also I get I asked a lot. Hey, can we bring somebody on who has other production manager experience so we can help share some notes and stuff? All right. Okay. That's a lot. But yeah, so, really. uh... That's cool
1: to hear. <laughs> so... See stuff popping up. Yeah, yeah, so give
2: us a little background on Black Rifle, you hear the word coffee, which people are going to be like, coffee, merch, give give it to us, tell us about it.
1: Yeah, no, it's a really unique spot, so owner, Evan Hafer, started the company basically out of his garage, roasting really small batch coffee, and linked up with some of the other guys here, so some of the faces you see, like on the YouTube commercials, advertisements, um they uh decided to join forces so there was a company called article 15 that was making just t-shirts apparel matt and jared taylor they were running that and reached out to evan and said hey can you make a small roast of coffee and see how that moves on our site they decided man this is probably the way to go all of the apparel was still kind of an outsourced operation. The company started in 2014 and then February 2017, so when we spun up our own print shop here in Salt Lake City and uh, one of the very first things I was telling the guys earlier, looking back through the Printavo invoices, you got everything from the very beginning to see how different it is now. Once we brought it in house, just everything
2: took off so okay you guys have like 1.2 million followers on Instagram on the coffee page or 1.7 million followers how much of the business is now merch versus coffee like is it still primarily coffee is there a like give us just to, to try to understand scale
1: oh yeah it's still primarily coffee so we make a very large amount of coffee now compared to what we've been putting out there so we are working on the roasting facility to have more capacity for that but just to give you an idea uh, our standard roasting putting out the one pound bags and that we've also got to provide for our standalone coffee shops that are opening up across the country now and that process kind of gets exponential because they also sell some of the apparel inside. And then there's another arm, which is our ready-to-drink coffee. Comes in a little can. Probably seen in a bunch of gas stations and stuff. So each one of those components, it's just growing like crazy. So for me in apparel, we're actually on the smaller side of it. But the amount of apparel that we crank out, it's pretty substantial. So I outgrew my facility here with the two autos probably about a year ago, year and a half. This is just
0: on the internal brand. Yep. Like you guys don't do any work for anybody else. You're just
1: printing for yourself. Yeah, it's all just
2: our own stuff. Wow. So on your site right now beautiful website did you did you start coming up with the creative and the designs like talk to us about the inception of merch so you built a coffee the coffee brand was built and then we're like okay we want to bring merch in house talk to us about that so that was actually i don't
1: know it just made a lot of sense because you guys know if we're using somebody that's a few states away, a shirt shows up and maybe the color just wasn't quite right. And then it's another week or two to try to get the right one. So just for that aspect of being able to make adjustments right away, it's like, yeah, maybe take this in-house and we can run it ourselves. So when wow when those decisions were made, I was actually working in the fulfillment side, just shipping the packages out. And one of the guys came over and said, Hey, do you want to maybe try something else? We're going to start up a print shop. We finished setting that thing up. I said, Sure, I've got zero experience in that. But see how it goes.
0: What were you doing before?
1: I was pursuing my dream of teaching like high school, junior high. So... Got a couple of degrees right out of the military for that, uh-huh. and uh, I taught seventh and eighth grade science.
0: How, how do you think that's lent to your your role now? Like, is that a lot of the coaching aspects too? And probably a
1: little bit of the patience
0: teaching. <laughs> I don't want to make a. You can be patient with seventh grade graders. Joke, you can be patient but... with your <laughs> <gonna> production <laughs> team. All right, yeah. cool. Fair enough.
2: Yep. Your operation now—you've almost outgrown two autos. Is everything mostly e-commerce? Um, you, you're obviously doing some stuff and you know, sending it to the retail stores. Cool. Is it mostly all e-commerce and fulfillment that way? Yeah, still the majority of the sales are e-com. How are you guys, like, is it, are you guys printing on demand? Because I, I was just looking at your site and you've got so many SKUs. quite a few skews. Yes. I mean, how, are I'm, you using scrolling, DT- I'm scrolling, I'm
0: scrolling. I keep scrolling.
2: <laughs> how do you manage that many
1: skews? I've actually got a really good team that's our forecast and demand planning and so yeah. they review that data constantly and let me know hey this one's not really moving as well as we thought and start looking into the life cycle of some of those items and uh, yeah, that part I used to do all of that here myself, mm-hmm. but yeah you can see this this year, we added more items than we've ever had. And just kind of, what was the phrase? Throw it at the wall and see what sticks.
0: How, how do you, how did you forecast then? Cause I, I gotta imagine you still had a bunch of SKUs then as well. By yeah. the way, I'm still scrolling. Can, do you have a total number?
2: <laughs> that thing that was... every SKU has seven sizes, you know, six right. sizes. Yeah. <laughs> So that was a huge the background here. a huge project
1: that was started up man, September, October last year. And just said, Hey, get ready, we wanna put out this much stuff and just basically have as many options as possible. And wow. trying to make that happen. And it's
2: Are these all screen printed or do you do any DTG or like transfers or is this all screen printed in house? It's all screen
1: printed in house. Well, sorry. It's all screen printed. But because I outgrew here, I did have to send quite a bit of work out to some other shops.
2: But everything is screen printed? Yeah. Wow. But in in, in all this stuff, you are taking an inventory. So you are printing ahead of time. And putting it on your shelf, and then selling it. It's not necessarily that there is like a print on demand or anything. Or like are that, they pre-sold right? too? Or are, are they pre? You're not like doing pre-orders. This is actually like inventory that you're putting on your shelves to sell. Yep. Right?
1: Yep. Haven't delved wow. into the pre-order stuff for quite a while.
2: Gotcha. That's that's really interesting because. I wrestle with this idea. We run a bunch of Shopify brands of actually pre-printing stuff and putting it on our shelves and acting like a retail store, mm-hmm. but then like waste just hurts me. Like I, right. But like a retail store or a restaurant has to just factor in waste. You have to you have to factor that in. How do you factor in what you're not gonna sell? Like just the shit that's gonna sit on your shelves forever.
1: Well, that's one of the nice parts, really, of the brand and what we do we've always got events that we're sponsoring we've got different things for employees we've got I mean just here in Salt Lake we've got 14 different Afghani refugee families that either work for us or family member works for us and there's Mm -hmm. more of their relatives all the time so it gives us pretty unique opportunities to help contribute
2: because some of that stuff's pretty readily available. Makes sense. So you, you factor in the fact that you're going to need this for promo, waste, giveaway. It's just going to get used. Interesting. Yeah. Do you, do you guys use any specific tools for inventory to like yeah, make what, it all happen? Like,
1: Yeah. So that part, it's constantly under evaluation, right? So we just started with, uh, our own erp system and maybe a year ago now and like so
0: net suite or yeah, something
1: yep and so having that thing built for the way that we run for each department it's still evolving and so for each point ever evolving right <laughs> and so for each point of sale we have to implement different things and technologies and You know, you try one out, and you're like, yeah, no, that's definitely not going to work. So my forecasting team, they're in the middle of reviewing that right now. Because the majority of the work that I do, and bless her soul, comes from one woman and a spreadsheet. So she dials all that data Mm. in and says, hey, here's what it looks like.
2: Gotcha. So then do you, so then she will basically look at what is needed and then she'll place orders to you, to you to say, okay, go produce. I need 24 more of this shirt or 48 more of these, or this store is running low on that. Right. Yeah. Is that kind of how it works? Yep. It's like your own internal sales team kind of thing. (laughs) Yes, exactly.
0: Right. I feel like there's, there's a lot here, uh, Tyler, because there's so many items here and you know, that clearly didn't start yesterday. This was a buildup of, of things happening over time. So the, yep. the way the tech stack works, so you've got NetSuite on top. I'm assuming that's got, you know, accounting, all the sales data is going in, they're running reports and stuff is the goal there. Then uh, inventory is in there or Shopify or...
1: Yeah, we've been using Shopify for a while.
2: But... Okay.
0: And then that goes into... What's do you use 2B? ship station, or right? Is that on the fulfillment side?
1: Yes, that's on the fulfillment side. So yeah, ship station is what we've been using here still. The distribution centers—it's a totally separate thing. So I, I feed the inventory over there, and I see it get received in. And,
0: and is that, that in house too, the distribution center, or do you guys work with a third party?
1: It's third party.
0: Got
1: Interesting. Okay. So and when did that
0: shift start? Sorry. Oh, sorry. When did that shift happen? Like, did you guys do it in-house for a while and then eventually move it out?
1: Yeah, we did do it in-house. So, like I was saying, that's where I started here in this building that I'm in without a roof. So I can't adjust this lighting at all. <laughs> but uh, we we had fulfillment out of here for right about a year and then we had to go to a, a bigger facility so in the third party was the only way to go to handle all of that so it's renegotiating
2: those contracts and stuff so for for listeners that are trying to kind of wrap their heads about around us this, this is essentially a third party logistics company um you may have heard us talk about ship bob or where you essentially rent out space at these big facilities. This is like how fulfillment by Amazon works. Right. Yeah. Um, so then do you, so every time an order comes in, it actually goes to them. Mm -hmm. And then do you, do you have to like pay them per package or how does that work? That contract? I honestly don't know. And so those companies, those three PLs, they'll get the products to the end user and that's, that's essentially how they get three to five day shipping. Now you're just focusing on printing and getting inventory to the 3PLs. You guys are focusing on selling online and they handle all the fulfillment. Yeah. Um, Except for one that, piece. That, is the, what's that?
1: There's one piece that's kind of unique to it where that's we're just talking straight e-com. It comes from those distribution centers. But now that our retail stores are getting built up, and we're getting more of them. We wanted to have more of an oversight of that. So we have one company distribution center for just our retail locations. So it's a little bit different, but basically just one more distribution center to fill.
0: So how many presses and and folks you guys have on the production side to get a sense of the size?
1: Yeah, so I've got two autos in here right now one 1214 sportsman and then we just barely got a uh, six head gauntlet replaced with a six head um, sportsman it runs a little bit quicker and then i've got a full packaging line that's automated now and 27 people so that 27 also includes my embroidery team out there so
2: it's it's pretty small pretty I think you're uh you're giving yourself not enough credit that's pretty big <laughs> operation <laughs> um I guess like you knew nothing about printing mm-hmm. when you were kind of handed this and how, how how many years ago was that that was five years ago now and now you're running a pretty large operation. What has the learning curve been for? Is it just do you have other really good printers? Are you the the guy that knows how to print everything, figure everything out? Talk to us about how you you know how you're able to bring that talent level up. Oh man, that's one of the best parts about this place. We
1: I came on just printing, so learning the presses and stuff. And we had a guy in charge that here. His name is Brian, and he he knew everything in and out just would get super excited about the science of printing and i'm a a nerd with science anyway right so i latched onto as much of that as i could and i was like this is actually super cool and there was another guy that he'd been printing for several years already and so me and him we kind of stepped up and kept getting a little more responsibility back here and then both of them have shifted to other things one's over in our art department um brian's with another company and i still reach out and say hey have you ever ran into this before I'm just still trying to learn as much as i can because it's the learning curve yeah it was pretty much straight up
0: <laughs> what's the biggest challenge you feel like you have recently now that you're working through
1: scheduling the amount of jobs that we need to get done and out so I'm about two weeks behind where I should be and it's really not I got to remind myself like it's Q4 we've hit all those deadlines for Black Friday sales and all that but still you know one shipment that you're counting on doesn't show up and Set you back a few days. So,
0: how have you how have you tackled scheduling to be to to improve on it or to balance capacity or you know deadlines, things coming in late, especially because what's interesting, right, is you came from outside the space and, and you pick things up and you, I'm sure you applied your past from to, to what they were doing and so on to create new solutions.
1: Yeah. So the biggest thing that we've been able to do is just. We've got what we call safety stock, which is about the size of two, two and a half of our standard runs, so like 1,400 piece. And we keep that on hand as much as we can. So if there is a shipment that got delayed, it's generally this type of color. Most of our t-shirts end up being on the same blink, which is great, because I can have a safety stock. and doesn't show up cool when it does it'll just backfill what was already here and that's really the only way that we've been able to do it with where we're at now because i don't know if Hmm. if you guys have heard but supply chain and logistics this year have been kind of funny (laughs)
2: just a little bit But with so many SKUs, if something goes out of stock, it's not like it's the end of the world. Like, you're not delivering product for an event coming up, generally. Like, you're not doing bulk orders, right? Right. So, is it more just wrestling with the sales or the marketing team to be like, sorry, guys, you're not getting this one next week, you know? Is it a lot of back and forth of tell me what you actually need or, like, How do you you figure out what's most important for you to do first?
1: Yeah, there's a little bit of that. If we're given a deadline, hey, this is what we want for a few months down the road, we want to release it for this, then, yeah, if our purchasing team doesn't have confidence that we're going to get that by that date, then we got to start revisiting and say, okay, maybe we should look at a different design, a different piece of apparel, and those teams are pretty good they communicate constantly so we manage to avoid a lot of that heartache
0: what about hiring Tyler so you've got an open role you found somebody that's going to work um how do you how do you take on that right especially because what I find very interesting again is just that you you come from outside of the space and now can maybe have a different perspective of how best to learn yeah. Uh, are there any tricks that you that you use now?
1: As far as hiring, it's all about the personality. So, the questions that I ask them is more just tell me a little bit about yourself and what you would encounter at your prior place of employment because you, you can tell a whole lot about some of the responses that you get. So. If you people out there are looking for work and get asked about you know your prior employer issues that you ran into and the responses are all as well they were doing this they would do this and it's not directed themselves you know I would do this then that's probably a candidate that I would avoid and it's worked out pretty good we've got a Sorry. I don't know how much of this you can hear in the background.
0: No, but what about the training aspect, though? So they they started their first day. Mm -hmm. How how do you get somebody the most utilized as possible, as quickly as possible?
1: I try to rotate people in a certain pattern once they come in. So I do have a small ASP tagging press. Mm -hmm. And for me, I love that thing because it's just like – It's the same procedure as a bigger press only if there's a mistake it's not so dramatic right so i'll have them work on that machine for the first couple of weeks and then i just kind of float them around to the different positions that we have and put myself down on the floor i'm trying to get 15 hours on the floor so that i can work with each of these guys and try to refine the stuff that we need
0: so you get them you you get them starting to kind of shadow different people Mm -hmm. is there a flow that uh you know it's going from start to finish on a a whole job process
1: yeah so uh, if they're starting out on that tagging press then they're just going to be the assistant on the machine and just learning from the guy running it Mm -hmm. and then when they're proficient at that they'll start running the machine then I'll move them over to one of the main lines and it's starting at the end again at catching and then just keeping their eyes out for mistakes coming off the line and then I'll move them up to the press and try to work them into actually running it as soon as I can and some guys they just they don't want to be operating the main press and that's fine so we just try to put everybody where they're most comfortable and
2: work in the most efficient if if i were you, to sir? yeah no this is where like this training that you talk about Tyler mm-hmm. like how well you know if a new if a new printer is coming in or a new employee how like how well documented is the training process do you have it, it sounds like do you have everything dialed out where they can watch videos and learn, or is it a lot of like, they have a buddy system? How do you, you know, if I were an employee there and it was my first day, what would that experience look like? So um, the first day yeah,
1: I've got this 10 page manual for the print shop and it covers, gotcha. it covers everything cause we are different than most shops. So I don't have like a screen tech that all they're doing is working in the dark room and prepping screens everybody Mm -hmm. does a little bit of that and so everything's outlined the way that we've found to be the most efficient for us and like hey refer to this thing and you'll see what i'm trying to highlight at each press like hey this is the most common thing that comes up here's how to fix that so it's just a bunch of little tips that anybody can get started with and then the rest of that is just continual spot checks see hey are you feeling comfortable or is this not working out and trying to work through them that way and then you know every month you're following up to see how they are
0: what do you what do you do
2: steven what, what do I need to do?
0: Like a, no, Okay, what, what do you do today? And then what, what do you feel like is your ideal then for... You've got a new press operator starting, now what?
2: We have a really good onboarding system for everything except production. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's definitely a, a weak point of ours. Everyone starts at the end of the dryer. Um, and that's very much the like, if you're going to start here, you're going to work at the end of the dryer. Cool. And then it's kind of like the weed out. The guys that last at the end of the dryer and that they're doing well will like move them over to unloading, and tearing down jobs, and then if they're good, they'll start they'll start actually you know printing. Um, But we don't have a good we don't have a good program dialed out like an apprenticeship. You know that that ten page. Manual. um We don't have. Let me ask you this, Tyler. Yeah. With that ten-page manual, are you constantly like, does everyone know it like the back of their hand? Because like, you can give it to someone once, but like, is it well published or in the shop? It is it ex- or even is it very accessible? Like, how do you? Because that that standardization is so important in shops. How do you continue to educate, not just like one-time thing?
1: So that's the fun part. The first few days you'll see a new guy and you'll see it on the floor with them and they'll be looking at it at break or whatever and then over time you kind of see it less and less till you don't see it at all so this is gonna sound dumb probably but one of my operators that he's been working for over a year he was peeling the shirts off for somebody else and I put in there please put it on the belt So that you can see the seams. So the guy catching it isn't struggling with this wad of shirt, right? And when I went down there, I was like, dude, I wrote that out. Like, it was in bold. So do you remember looking at that? He's like, oh, no, I don't. So the time that I spent on the floor, that's what I'm looking for. If I've written it down specifically, I'm like, eh. Maybe you should go and read that over tonight.
0: That they are supposed to read it, they take it home or whatever, or you go over it in person with them. Because I feel like handing somebody like these ten pages, be like here, you know.
1: Yeah. No, it's that's horrible when it's like, hey, check it out. Here's your manual. We'll see you later. Not so because, like I said, there's a few key things in there, and that's what I'll hit and say. There's actually a lot in here that will help you out and avoid a lot of these hiccups
2: that I ran into and that's why I put this thing together. So one of the things is Tyler, like obviously veteran owned, a lot of you are are veterans. Do you do the same with your press operators? Are you mostly trying to hire, you know, law enforcement veterans? And that is that kind of the same, same style, um, with your people or? Yeah. If we try to, but what it looks
1: like for us, Is I've got three guys that were Afghani Special Forces, and then myself, and then the rest of the crew, they were civilian, not military. Mm -hmm. So anymore, if I try to get really picky and I'm like, no, wait for a veteran, like I'm not gonna get anybody hired.
2: Right. So you'll try to make you know if it if it comes around, that's cool. But the business still has to run. Um, yeah. Does does your experience like in the military and the way things are structured and organized and like does that is that kind of how the company is run? Because you're kind of you're, you, you know, like that's where you you learned life. Like, does that ever come out? I don't know. I'm I'm not, you know, that's not Bruce or I. But mm-hmm. does that experience ever translate? Yeah, a little bit. So. If there's directions that are given,
1: it's really easy to just run with it. And you may not have all the details that, that, I don't know, you would probably be given somewhere else, but that's just kind of what we're used to. You've got the general idea, you're gonna go and execute that and get things to work out.
2: That's super interesting. Um, Yeah, that's, I don't know. It's just like, you know, you have a lot of experience from that. And the answer is you have to follow those orders because you have to. Like, this is the military, you know. And so I think about my shop and I'll tell someone to peel tape off so that it doesn't get all gummy for weeks. And sometimes <laughs> they'll be like, oh, yeah, we, we forgot, sorry. And you're just like, you know. Yeah, um... oh, dude.
1: <laughs> so, and that's where, I'll be honest, I have to kind of – tamper that down because i i'm a pretty stress-free guy anymore i don't get worked up and do the sergeant adam stuff but when it's like hey you guys got to remember to empty the trash out at the end of the shift and you come back in and it's full it's so tempting to throw that trash can (laughs) but it's not the military you can't do that so i just i don't know Try to remember most of these guys. Like I said, they weren't in the military, and I don't want them to experience that because they didn't sign up for that.
0: How do you how do you manage quality coming out too? So your your retail. end customer who may complain is kind of removed from it, right? Because it goes to the logistics company and then. It goes to the end customer, then maybe they write back to customer service, and then maybe it comes back to you. Yeah.
1: Our customer service department is outstanding. They reach out to me. If there's an issue with the shirt, like there's a thread in there and it did make it through here, then they'll send me a picture of it and say, hey, what's going on with this? And we'll get it replaced, which that turnover time is real quick. Since it is a third party, they just say, okay we'll get it replaced we'll let our production team know and then i just revisit the issue with my team here say hey this popped up
2: we gotta go over this again now tyler will you send do all the shirts have to be fold folded labeled barcoded before they go to the third party yeah so they have to be retail ready basically okay yes so then so the third party logistics they don't qc anything they put it on the shelves and if you put bad product in there your customers are getting bad product yeah so you talk about like all the things you're doing on scaling talk to us about your packaging and all that stuff like did you guys did you guys invest in a huge auto folder and bagger in the whole 9 yards or what yep that was one of the
1: first things when we had the budget open up said this is what we need so what uh, what systems you go with? We've got the M and R with the holy cow. What is it? The K nine fifty and yeah. the AB nine thousand at the end. And gotcha. Right now it's just the one. And sorry, I I need to stop saying just. But with scaling everything up, I need more packaging lines. So I have a. Quality control team, and that's what they do. They scan over every piece of apparel before they're putting it down that folder and adjusting it for every job that we have. And they're great at what they do.
0: What are does you, that team so look then, like? Oh, sorry, yeah, what's team? that
2: look like? No, go ahead, go ahead, good.
0: Ahead. Yeah. So, are they just looking and then going back, or are they actually they're the ones that are laying the shirt on the folder too?
1: Yeah, so there's three and they're running the machine and they're also packaging everything in the quantities that need to be for our distribution center. And then we palletize it and bring it over to our shipping and receiving department. So that team, they do a lot of the physical stuff.
0: Is that what the setup you have, Steven, equipment-wise? Didn't you buy a folder?
2: Yeah, I bought a folder. Uh, not the 950. It was a couple years older. It's in the eights. Um, but yeah, we use it very heavily for our retail stuff, for getting everything retail ready and just like perfectly folded. Um, we do a lot of. We do all of our own fulfillment. That's why I was so interested when you said you said this somewhere else. <laughs> um, but uh, that QC is so important because it just hurts your heart when you send someone a shirt and they send you something back and say, like, uh, there's a hole in the armpit. And you're like, come on. Because the cost of replacing that is shipping, is one more shirt. I mean, it's expensive yep. Um, to factor that in, um, which is super interesting. So what does Black Rifle Coffee on the printing side look like a year from now, Tyler? A year from
1: now, we'll have... A couple of cobra presses, and then two other okay. sportsmans, um, two split belt dryers, a f- totally different dark room setup, and then those two other packaging lines. So it's wow. It looks quite different. Wow. Are you guys going direct to screen, or do you have that yet? Yeah, we actually just got that this year. So gotcha. I've got an eye image that has been pretty awesome. It's it nobody really told me though that there's a bit of adjustment you need for that too. getting the right emotion and yeah because oh yeah. if that emotion's not happy,
2: then your image really isn't either. Wow, wow. Do you guys save screen because you're running so many repeat orders? Do you save screens or do you reburn every time? No, so that's why I don't have like a
1: full time screen person because mm-hmm. we've got a catalog that we just keep, and once those screens wear out, yeah, we'll replace them. And really, you're just doing that if it's new designs coming out.
2: Mm-hmm. So. I guess, like, you've been on Printavo since 2017. What does your Printavo look like <laughs> now compared to what it was? Like, statuses? Like, is it is it crazy? Yeah. Yep. It's
1: very, very different. So we had, man, the those initial orders, you know, and we had, like, 80 shirts that we were sending out, and we had to schedule time for hand-folding and pushing that little – sealer like it was <laughs> it was not the most efficient way to do stuff but we were just learning and then now that same design will be doing 5000 at a time instead of 80 Jeez. wow
0: It's
1: yeah. a lot of growth wow,
0: wow. and I'm sure what last year was huge for uh, you guys too oh yeah online stores
1: Yeah, last year kind of spiked
2: like a lot of the other e-com that we saw. Do you think you'll ever go to a digital squeegee, Tyler, just because of the space you're in?
1: I don't know. We kicked that idea around a bunch. One of my friends has one in one of the cities here up north. And it's pretty cool watching that thing work. But, yeah, we definitely couldn't have one in this
2: shop. How far are y'all from Salt Lake City? Oh, we're right in it. So sweet, I yeah. Think. From where sweet, I'm at, you look, Bruce. You guys coming uh, to Salt Lake? We were just talking about a our ski trip. trip in the spring. We might do our park. We we do a ski trip every February, so maybe we'll do. Uh, we had Park City on the map last night as a as a as a potential.
1: Dude, there you go. So and Snowbird is just right up there too. So
2: yeah. All right. You have to stop, All right, there. Bruce? Shop tour.
0: That's perfect, Tyler. uh, really appreciate the, the time today. This is Tyler Adams, prune production manager over at Black Rifle Coffee. You guys have a lot of growth, so we'll definitely have to do a check-in or some sort of cool shop tour when everything's set up.
1: Yeah, sounds good. Thanks for having me on, sweet. Perfect, thanks so much, Tyler. Going, Tyler. We'll talk See to you. See you guys
0: in the next episode. Thanks so much for listening to Printable Users podcast. <laughs>